morning. I'm so excited. Are you excited, guys? Hey, one day closer to meeting our king face to face. One more sleep closer to seeing him face to face and being with him forever. Haven't we had the most amazing week or so um, just with the prophetic, that gift that God gives us to really hear from him and see him again? We've, it just lifts your spirit and edifies you so much when you hear him speaking over people that you know so well. And, uh, and those words are just so true and that person could not have known it because they actually don't know the human being that they're praying over. We saw God move over us in a great way this week, even on Monday night in our home, and we're just so encouraged by what He sees for you and I. You know that He sees a great deal more than what we're walking in now? You do realize that, eh? Sometimes we can get so fixed on our, on our stuff, our limitations, our challenges, our needs, and we can live like in the moment of today. And I really feel like he wants to lift us from that even this morning. Like the things I've got to do before lunchtime, the deadline I've got to meet before this evening, the lack of sleep I got last night and all that I've got on my plates on Monday. You know what? He's so much bigger, man. He is so much bigger. And distractions are not from him. And the things that come to rob us of intimacy, you know what that is? That's our great enemy. He wants to come and distract us from intimacy. He wants to distract us from the face of our God and our Savior in front of us. Because when he can distract us from that and stop that, then we back in our limitations. God wants to take us into his presence and he wants us to live here and close to him. And you know what happens when we live in that place? All those things that have to get done this afternoon and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives, they're in his hands, man. Whether we're excellent at task lists and whether our capacity is amazing and whether we are really intelligent or not so intelligent. It's all in his hands anyway. There's nothing we can do. And he wants us to live in a place of absolute, where are my notes? Of absolutely trusting in his ability and not our own. And actually the more crazy your world is, <clears throat> Maurice Steenkamp, my good friend, when you've got a deadline that your ability can't meet, which is most of his life, and the Lord comes through, he can tell you a few stories about how it was God's capacity that came through. I can tell you stories. Many of us, I know you've got your own stories too. And he, he wants us to live in that place. Come, be close, be face to face. Watch what I can do. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough trouble of its own. Today's got trouble, I'm telling you. Tomorrow, I don't even want to go to tomorrow. And it's Monday, just forget about it. And worry about today, because if you in the today... You're going to meet someone that needs encouragement before they, let, they walk out of the school. If you live in today, when you go out from this place, you're going to see someone who's lost and broken and doesn't know that Jesus died for them. And you're going to see them versus seeing all the things that need to be done tomorrow morning. Amen? So let's live in that place. I really believe the Lord wants to do that. And I'm going to share on something which, if you want to give it a title, would be along the lines of, Living in the supernatural. There we go. Because that's where I want to live. I don't know about you guys. Who else wants to live in the supernatural? Beyond the norm and the ordinary. He's got so much more for us. So much more. Do you believe it? Raise your hand if you believe and you want it. And raise it high. There we go. Hallelujah. It's true though. If we want it, we've got to say, Lord, I really want it. 
And um, I just want to say a quick good morning and goodbye to our Dutch friends. Arnold and Mariana are going tomorrow morning back to the Netherlands, border of Belgium. So it's been so good to get to know them and see God just encourage them even last week. And uh, you guys, they've found family with you. So well done. They felt at home in this place. So well done, guys. And we give praise to God for bringing you into our lives for five weeks. And we hope and pray that we'll meet again in the nations. And already I have a message from one of our dear friends. Uh, his name is Reeve. And he's somewhere in, uh, near Utrecht. And he wants to know who you are because he saw on our groups that we were saying goodbye to some Dutch folk. And he <laughs> messaged me to say he wants to see you in the nation. So there we go. And um, yeah, there's Reeve. He stayed on our groups for six years. He doesn't go off them because he's so full of love. And he loves you guys so much. And Daniel's here. Where's Daniel? There he is. Daniel's visiting from Florida in the US of A. And you guys might remember he was with us for a while. Great to have you while you're on holiday with us and safe home, eh? Hope to see you again as well. Okay, and uh, hope that's it. But just some people that are, I know we're not going to see again for a while. So here we go. So I'm going to jump straight into 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> it's just a chunk of scripture that I've been in this year and been loving how God has been speaking to me through this in the year so far. So why don't we go together? Right from the beginning. Maybe we go for the first three verses right there, and then we hold for a bit. Can we do that? Uh, NIV is where I'm reading from, but please follow in your Bibles, if you have your paper Bibles, and otherwise make notes on your phone. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Can you leave it there, please, Gideon? So in that first verse, this is Paul. He was writing, um, sorry, it's Peter. <laughs> it's Peter, not Paul. Um, so Peter's writing to the church. And this is his second letter. Uh, the first letter was very much dealing with the fact that persecution had come, the church was under great pressure. Uh, this letter, more than likely the context was more about uh, speaking into uh, believers and into the church like ourselves today and really wanting to encourage them, uh, at least in this first chapter, second chapter of this book, there was a little bit of a warning uh, against false teachers slipping in and distorting uh, the true gospel of, and our faith. And, and then in the third chapter, pointing them to the day of the Lord's return. Already then, he was telling the church, this is the day of the, Lord, of the Lord's return and what it's going to look like. And here we are today, a whole lot closer to that day. But in the first chapter, there's an encouragement that he wants to give. He wants to stimulate uh, the, the growth and the discipleship and the development and the progress of the church in its time. And therefore, us today, I pray that we would be stimulated for growth, that we would come closer to the Lord because of His Word this morning. And I really believe He's going to do that, that some of us, He's going to call into His presence in a deeper way. And for some sitting here, He's actually going to call you back into relationship with Him. And I don't want you to see that as a negative, 
Sometimes we slip away from relationships. It happens in marriage. It happens with your kids, if you've got kids. Relationships change. And it's the same with us and our Heavenly Father. They do change. And He's calling us back into relationship. And I do believe this morning He has like a really beautiful surprise for some of us. And it's this, that He's going to call you to respond and to step back into Him this morning. And you'll know, you'll know He's distant as I speak. And He wants to change that. That's His heart. Every time He meets with us, He wants to draw us in. Okay. So the first point Did you know that we've received something? Peter said, as a servant and apostle of Jesus, he said right in the first verse, to those who through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. In Peter's mind, the church, the believers of the day, had received something that the early apostles had received. It was the very same thing. It was a faith given to them by God through their belief in his son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Savior. And because of that common faith, he addressed them and reminded them that it was the righteousness of God. It had nothing to do with the early church. It has nothing to do with us today that we have salvation. For those of us that have eternal salvation, it's all the righteousness of Jesus and what he did on the cross that we have been given this faith that is so precious. Did you know that we can't get faith We can't earn it. We can't make it happen. We can't pray faith into our bodies. It's a gift that we receive. We must open that gift. And we receive it because of what Jesus did. Okay, and just laying that foundation again. And it's the righteousness of our Father God who sent his Son. Not our own. We had nothing to do with it. Okay. So Peter's reminding us. And I want, to say, I want to say something, I'm not going to go to that scripture, but in the chapter 3 of this same book, Peter says we, qualifying who he is and why he can speak with this authority, that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They saw the majestic king, they saw Jesus, they sat with him, they were with him, he was an eyewitness. And very soon after being an eyewitness, he wrote these words, and we have this truth today. This is to believe. This is the story of life. It's the story of our salvation. It's us and God, and it's all about our relationship. Okay. So verse 2, he greets them with greetings and goodwill. He says, grace and peace be yours, a common common greeting. But I just want to go here. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. And in the very next verse, He says this thing again through our knowledge of him. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We can just stay there. You see in two verses, through the knowledge of God and through our knowledge of him. I want us to get away from that word knowledge and seeing it as an intellectual thing. I know many of us today, we know things about God. We've read, we've studied, maybe we've walked with him. And maybe we've been away from him. And maybe we've walked close to him. And then we've been away from him. And you know what? Intellectual knowledge of who God is, knowledge of his son Jesus, understanding, that is not the knowledge that brings us into relationship. It's a knowing him. It's a knowing who he is. It's a knowing. It's a face-to-face knowing. It's a relational thing. He wants to know us this morning. And he wants to pull us in again if we've been distant. It's this knowledge of I know who my God and Savior is. 
So Peter's writing to remind the church already then the drift is real. The drift is so real. And he wants to draw us back this morning. The goal of this, his divine power has given us everything. His divine power has given us everything for a godly life. For a godly life. What is that? Through our intimate knowing of his son. Through knowing the father because the son sacrificed for us. There's an intimacy that he calls you and I into. And then he says to us, it's my divine power that enables everything. My divine power. I'm giving it to you. It's available. And I want us to jump then to verse 4 and just read on a little bit. Verse 3 said he's called us by his own glory and goodness. So because he's good and because he's glorious, it's in his nature and character to desire relationship with us. And here in verse 4 he says through these talking about his goodness and his glory, through these values, he's given us something, very great and precious promises, so that through these promises, which deal with eternity and salvation and hope, through these promises, he's, called, he's inviting us to participate. I want us to see that word participate, that you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. If we can keep that there. See, we may participate in his divine nature, or we may not. He doesn't force us to. But he'll, he'd, he'd like us to, because he's glorious, and he's good, and he's, his divine nature is what saved us and called us, and he's given us faith. And the point of it all is that we would see his promises, we would see salvation today, above all the circumstances going on, and we would... Accept the invite, and we may come and participate in his divine nature. And in so doing, we will escape something. What are we escaping? The corruption in the world that's caused by something. Not by God. He's not the one who made the world corrupt. There's evil desires within us. <laughs> in our fallen nature that he's taken care of as we come into salvation and know his son Jesus. Those evil desires under the control of the Lord now. We can bring them to Him and He can heal us and make us whole and bring us to a place of escape. But the point is that we would step in to His divine nature in order to live that. Living in the supernatural is what He has for us. Are you excited about that? Do you believe there's more participation for you and I? I believe there's way more for me. Way more participation in His divine nature and less in me. Less in my mind and more in his spirit. Are you with me? So may we participate. May we even begin to pray, Lord, lead me into your divine nature this morning. Take me out of my mind and distractions and lead me into your spirit. Do something in my heart, Lord. It's a good prayer to pray. Even now, just open your heart to him and say, Lord, just show me. Show me where I need to come into a deeper place of participating in your nature in your divine, in the supernatural. You know, these words need to be redeemed. These words are, these are not, these are, these are godly words. Divine, supernatural. They've been stolen by all sorts of sects and isms and groups. But he's a supernatural God. He's divine. His nature is, <laughs> is beyond our world. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our minds. 
and our spirits need to connect to make this a reality. Okay. And then he says in verse 5, for this very reason, because what I've done for you, make every effort to add to your faith, the faith that we've been already given. Add to that faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. And then to perseverance add godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And if we just look at verse 5 for a moment, we'll see that God's given us his divine power first through his son Jesus, calls us to participate in the supernatural, escape the corruption of the world. And now we know, we start to realize that we have died. Yes, I know that. But now I begin to actually see that my life is dead in him and my flesh and my old self is dying. And I am beginning to truly live in Jesus and in his nature. Colossians 3.3, you don't have to go there on the board, but Paul wrote that we are now hidden with Christ in God, hidden with his son Jesus in God the Father. It's our nature in his nature. It's our, his life for our life. He takes us in to the presence of his Father. In Romans 8.1, Paul wrote in Romans 8.1 as well, we are now in Christ. Peter would say the same things to the church. Participate in his divine nature. Stay in him. That's where the power lies. It's really important, guys. And when Peter says make every effort, it means as disciples, there's a discipline to our lives. There is an effort to be found in a place of an upward trajectory in our Christian faith. Our faith is the gift we're given to begin believing. And when we receive that faith and we, and we are born again into his family, it's, the big, it's like the, the, the beginning of understanding our freedom. It's like the start of realizing whose life we are now in. And sometimes our growth stagnates because we don't see the, the great core from the early apostles and our, 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 our scriptures which point us. For you've got all these things in place. We have the divine nature. We have the supernatural life. So for this reason, just make every effort to add these things. And if you do, it's going to be something very exciting as we read on. <laughs> Paul also says we can be, if we don't, sorry, Peter, I keep saying Paul, thank you very much. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Peter wrote some great books. And he's my favorite, if I'm allowed to say that. I absolutely love Peter's writings. So if you look at what he's asked us to do, it's really, really important. And it's a holy thing. It's a holy thing to make every effort we need to take note and to build on to our faith, to add to our faith these things. Can we just jump to... There we go, verse 8. See, he says, because, well, for, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure as we grow, this will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So who wants to be effective and productive in our relationship with the Lord? <clears throat> because it's not, by this I see it's not a guarantee that we will be productive. Have anyone ever felt in your journey, at times you can feel a bit ineffective, in your walk with the Lord, or unproductive. I've been there. There are seasons, and sometimes you feel you're so productive, and in fact, sometimes you feel, what's going on, Lord? And 
Peter and Paul and the New Testament writers, the apostles, their hope, because it's God's hope, is that we would be kept from being unproductive. His desire, the Lord's desire, is that we'd be effective in our journey, that there'd be an onward growing in our journey. And these qualities, if we possess them, if we gain them on the increase, the promise of Scripture is that we will never be unproductive and ineffective. It's a beautiful promise. He's calling us. You see, he's calling us into something. He's not calling us to go and do it ourselves. He's calling us into supernatural living. Do you see that? He's calling us to, he's saying, come and participate. You may or you may not. The choice is yours. Do you want to participate more in my divine nature? Experience my supernatural living. And, and watch the increase. Watch how effective you'll become in your, in your relationship with the Lord. And then the warning in verse 9 says, but if anyone, and here the anyone is the church. He's talking to believers. This is not anyone, meaning someone on the outside of Christ, because that would be understandable, because they don't know him. They have no knowledge of him. But to us, if anyone of us does not have them, the things listed, then he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. How tragic. Would it be that if anyone walks out today and lives unproductive or ineffective lives for the gospel with the short time that we have, the Lord would say that we are nearsighted or blind and we've forgotten something. We've forgotten about our born-again experience. We've forgotten that our past and our sins have been buried with Jesus. If we have put our faith in the Lord, if we've surrendered our lives and given our hearts to Jesus, if we know him, if we are in relationship with him this morning, how can we forget these things? How can we forget that we've been cleansed? But it's true. Because Peter is addressing the church early days, saying that we can become blind, we can become nearsighted. If we don't, build onto our faith all these beautiful values that he's given us, which come by participating in his divine nature. You see, he doesn't leave us alone. He's such a good father. He's provided everything that we need in his son. Jesus, he's given it all to us. That's why the intellect understanding of God and of Jesus doesn't cut it. It's a relationship. In his son Jesus lies the key to a life of abundance and a life of joy and a life of victory and a life of effectiveness and productivity and all these wonderful things. Okay, so verse 9, we've done with. Verse 10, therefore, my brothers, and as he wraps us this, this portion of text, he says to us as the church, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Because if you do these things, you will never fall. You will never fall. And verse 11, I'll actually finish with that. Verse 11, and you will receive, besides never falling or stumbling, you will receive, listen to this, a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who wants a rich welcome? Think about the opposite of rich welcomes, a poor welcome. Imagine a poor welcome. It's like I'm just, I, like no one's noticed at me. I've come into the kingdom of God, eternity, and I, my life was so short, yet I come in so poor. What did I miss? Imagine being that, imagine receiving a poor welcome. It's like I come into the kingdom of God. I come into eternity, and I've missed the riches of God on this side of eternity. We can miss the riches. We really can. We can miss the rewards he has for us. And those riches are found in Jesus' son, in 
the divine nature. The riches are found in the supernatural life, in the closeness and the relationship that he has for us. And he wants, he wants, to, yeah, he wants to have that with us now. And he wants, his heart is that our welcome into eternity is rich and that we don't stumble, that we don't fall, although we might. And he's gracious to pick us up. But he's given us these beautiful keys that we don't have to fall or we don't have to stumble. And we can enjoy the riches in this life of our eternal king. But when he takes us home, oh my word, imagine what a rich welcome looks like when we go to be with him. When there's no more pain and no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sin, no more evil desires, no more corruption, no more distractions and things trying to get our attention. When it's just him, him and us. What kind of welcome do you want? I want a rich one. I want one full of joy and celebration and eternal rewards. And I want to know that I've run my heart out for him in this life. I want to know that I haven't run in Neil's strength on this life. That wouldn't be a rich welcome. I want to know that I've learned to tap into his strength and his ability. And when Albert got up this morning, it was the Lord's ability taking him beyond himself. He doesn't like this. Nor did I. I used to dislike this thing with a... Uh, Ryan used to ask me, also at the last minute, can you take the mic and do the notices? And I didn't sleep very well. <coughs> but now you can't get it away from me. <laughs> the Lord's strength, His ability. He wants us in His ability, not our own. Even though I look at you guys and there's some very capable people here. There's a lot of gifting in our household. And that is beautiful. But don't ever let that stop us from living in the divine and participating in his nature and relying on him for every single thing. Everything. Amen? How do I conclude with that? I'm not going to go for long today. I want us to meet with him. I really want us to respond and step into him. And, uh, and actually like open our hearts and repent and say sorry to God if we need to. Adjust our hearts if we need to. Uh, change our direction if we need to. Put distractions at his feet if I need to. I feel like he wants to do, do business with us this morning. I feel like the Lord wants to turn some people's lives around today. It's not just a slight adjustment, but it's literally, you were going one way, and I'm, I, I'm meeting with you, and I'm arresting your heart, and I'm turning you around the opposite direction. It's, it's that radical that he wants to get hold of your heart this morning. So I don't know who that is. But it's, it's, if you walk out the same way you came in, you're going to miss the intimacy that he has for you. And you might have the knowledge, you might have the history, you might have a sense of who God is and that his word is true and that he is real and that there is eternity. But to realize that there's an adjustment that's needed. And it's a, I'm walking this way, I'm now walking this way. And I feel like he's inviting you to do business with him today, which is to open your heart, to come to him, and to actually yeah, be accountable with it. Say to someone that you came with, someone who you know, stand with me and make sure that I'm different from today. It's that radical, it's that much of a turnaround, but I feel like his grace is there and his invite to participate in his divine nature is the call over your life. Amen? Is there anyone sensing that? Take it into your heart. Make it. Ask the Lord.
Hear it from me, but ask him and let him speak. Okay. I'm going to jump to 2 Peter, one scripture. Uh, I think we've got it. Chapter 3, verse 8. There we go. And uh, as Peter ends this book in the chapter 3, he says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. I'll read on. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anybody to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. You can keep that up, please, Gideon. So if a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, which is true, he could come in a moment. He could come back in a moment. We need to be ready. He's slow, but not in, Lord, what are you doing in this earth? I don't understand you. It's such a mess. He's patient because he's loving. And he does want everyone to come to repentance. The Lord's heart is that every single person in the world would come to a place of repentance and putting their faith in him. So we have to be his hands and feet and to, to tell the world about his love, to tell the world that he, there's an opportunity to come in, to know him, to experience his divine nature, to come into a life of eternity with him, born again experience, which most of us have had. We know him this morning. Many out there don't know him. His heart is that everyone would come to a place of knowing him. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Has anyone ever known, anyone that's experienced heartache of a thief stealing something? Did you know? We sat with friends this week who were pickpocketed, sadly, in our city. Didn't know the thief was there. Took wallet and other, other things out of the bag and he was gone. So if we don't know when the thief is there. It's going to be like that with the day of the Lord. It's like, where did he come from? It's over. And I, and I caught myself thinking this morning or last night, when he comes, it's going to be like a thief. I'm not going to know. And what's my response going to be like when it happens? Am I going to be ready? Or am I going to be busy with other things and go, why did I get so distracted? Why was I so worried about that thing? Why was I so in tomorrow and not in the moment? Because when he comes, he's going to be in the moment. And where are we going to be in the moment? I want to be in the place of I am so ready and expectant and so in participating in his nature, so close to him, so, so full of joy, so full of love for my Lord and Savior. Are you with me? Do we want that? Okay. I believe he's going to shift things in us. Amen?